It's great to be back again and see you all, as I said, uh, as we open God's Word and dive into this big chapter in Acts 10. Uh, Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we thank you that you've spoken to us through your Word. Uh, We thank you for Jesus. Uh, We pray that as we look at your Word now, uh, that we would learn more about Jesus, uh, that we would be excited to see your plan for the world uh, and how we can be involved. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you ever find yourself uh, looking down on people who are different to you? i got to confess, uh, I sometimes find myself looking down on Americans. Um, sorry if there's any Americans in the room. Uh, because I've got a bit of prejudice against Americans. They're just a little bit strange, I think. Uh, they talk with a funny accent, a little bit nasal. Uh, they eat funny food like pumpkin pie. Uh, they have some weird religious celebrations like Thanksgiving. Uh, They're just a bit odd. Now, I've never actually been to America and seen many Americans in real life. Most of what I know about them comes from the movies, to be honest. Uh, And if I met an American, I would probably smile on the outside, but on the inside, uh, I'd be looking down a little bit. Now, uh, to be honest, my prejudice against Americans uh, isn't really that serious. Uh, I do love them. They're okay. God bless them. Uh, But it is easy to look down on people who are different to us, isn't it? Uh, Maybe you see someone who is from a different culture or religion and they dress differently, maybe they speak differently, they eat different food, and you just find them a bit strange uh, and you find yourself withdrawing from them a little bit. Have you ever noticed yourself doing that? Well, do you think God is like us? Uh, Does God uh, prefer some people over others? Uh, Does God look down on some people? Uh, Just think about some of the countries in our world today. For example, on the one hand, you've got a country like America. Uh, They're often called a Christian nation. Uh, Every bit of money printed in America has the phrase, in God we trust, on it. Uh, All the politicians in America love to finish their speeches, God bless America. Um, On the other hand, think about a country like Iran. Uh, Its official name is the Islamic Republic of Iran. It's a Muslim nation. Uh, They hate America. Does God have a favorite? Uh, Does God prefer one of these countries over the others? Uh, Or think about some other countries. Uh, You've got a country like China, uh, 1.4 billion people, uh, huge nation. Its economy is exploding. Uh, Its name in in Chinese means the Middle Kingdom. It's the center of the world. Uh, And then you've got a country like Africa, uh, also over a billion people, but struggling in its economy with lots of war uh, and famine and issues? Uh, Does God prefer one of these countries over the other? Well, that's part of what our passage is going to answer this morning. Uh, What does God think when he looks at the world and sees all the people in it? Uh, Does he have favorites or preferences? And the way this passage answers the question for us is we get a really dramatic encounter between two men, all right, Peter and Cornelius. So let's have a look at these two men. Uh, If you remember, Peter used to be a lowly fisherman. When Jesus called him, he left his fishing nets behind and he followed Jesus. And in the book of Acts, Peter has become one of the leaders in the early church. Uh, He's going around sharing the gospel and speaking about Jesus. But Peter, he's also a little bit biased. Uh, He looks down on non-Jewish cultures. See, like most Jewish people... Uh, Peter, uh, 
follow the food laws in the Old Testament. So certain foods like pork and shellfish were considered unclean and you didn't eat them or touch them as a Jewish person. Uh, And uh, people who ate those foods were considered uh, unclean as well. And so from the Jewish point of view, the world was divided into two groups of people. There were the Jews and the Gentiles, the clean and the unclean, and they never mixed. Uh, Jews would never eat with Gentiles and they would never visit them. Uh, And the Jewish traditions had gone uh, beyond the Old Testament. And so they wouldn't even uh, sit at the same table as a Gentile person because they didn't want to be unclean. Uh, Is anyone here this morning Jewish or Jewish backgrounds? No? No one? Uh, That means that we are all unclean, dirty Gentiles from a Jewish point of view. No offense, I'm including myself, right? Uh, Peter would never come and visit us. He would never eat at the same table with us because we would be unclean. And so even though Peter is a leader in the church, he still thinks that maybe God prefers the Jewish people. God, Maybe God has favorites. Uh, so he looks down on Gentiles and doesn't share the gospel. But he gets his way of thinking transformed when he meets Cornelius. All right, And we learn about Cornelius in verse 1 uh, in chapter 10. Uh, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So Cornelius uh, comes from a very different background to Peter. All right, If Peter's a lowly fisherman, uh, Cornelius is like a wealthy government worker uh, with a mansion and lots of servants uh, and a big house. All right, They're very different. But Cornelius isn't a Jew. He's a Gentile. And so even though he's wealthy, Peter would never go and visit him and eat with him normally. But there's something different about this particular guy, Cornelius. Uh, He's a Gentile, but he's described as someone who's devout and fears God. So he's actually kind of religious, and he doesn't follow the Roman gods. He's trying to follow the God of Israel. Uh, He prays and he gives money. He's trying to be religious. Uh, So how do these two men meet? Uh, Peter the fisherman uh, and Cornelius, the wealthy soldier. Well, it's a long story in Acts 10, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'll try and summarize it quickly for you, all right? Uh, You've got these two men in different cities, uh, Peter in one city, Cornelius in another, uh, and uh, both get different visions. Uh, First, an angel appears to Cornelius uh, saying, go and find this man named Peter. So Cornelius obeys. He sends some messengers, they rush across to this other city to find Peter. And meanwhile, Peter has a vision as well, Uh, a vision about food and a voice telling him to eat uh, unclean food. And he's starting to realize that maybe unclean food is no longer unclean. And then the messengers from Cornelius arrive and Peter gets another message telling him, go, go to the house of this Gentile. And I think Peter's confused, but he's starting to realize that God is telling him to change his way of thinking, that it's okay to go and visit Gentiles. So Peter turns up at Cornelius' house, uh, and he's a little bit nervous, but he breaks the Jewish tradition and he goes inside the house of this Gentile. And then he finds a whole gathering of pork-eating Gentiles waiting for him. And I reckon, uh, if you look at verse 28, you can see Peter's a little bit nervous. Uh, He said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with 
or visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Uh, I asked then why you sent for me. Uh, Peter gets there and he's like, okay, guys, I've come inside. I've broken all the rules, but why am I here? Why did you send for me? Uh, and then Cornelius tells him the story and says, okay, verse 33. Now we're all here in the presence of God to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord. In other words, Peter, give us a, give us a sermon. Uh, and Peter, uh, I think he's pretty uh, confused at this point, right? He's, he's turned up. Uh, they're asking him for the message that he has from God. And he's thinking, oh, they're expecting a message, but I don't have one. God hasn't given me a message just for Cornelius. Oh, the gospel, that message. See, Peter finally gets it, right? Uh, God has sent him out with the gospel message to go to all the nations. That's what he's been doing in the book of Acts, but he hasn't been going to Gentiles. Uh, and so God has dragged him here with visions and messages to the house of Cornelius so that he can share the gospel. So Peter starts telling them about Jesus and how they can be forgiven. And then something incredible happens. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, uh, something, uh, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So this, this room of Gentiles, they hear the gospel. They believe in it. And then God sends the miracle from Acts 2 of speaking in foreign languages as his sign that these Gentiles have been welcomed into his family. And the crowd, the, the, the Jews who came with Peter, they're all amazed that dirty Gentiles have received the Holy Spirit. But there's nothing they can do. The proof is clear. So they baptize them all and welcome them into God's family. And then Peter and his friends actually do something even more shocking. Uh, they stay the night at this house and they eat together with these Gentiles. Maybe Peter even has bacon for the first time ever. All right? Uh, this is such a radical thing that in the next chapter, Acts 11, all the other Christians, the Jewish Christians, when they hear about Peter eating with these Gentiles, they send messengers saying, what have you done? How can you do this? Because they don't get it. So that's how Peter and Cornelius meet. Peter gets his way of thinking transformed. Uh, what does this here teach us? Well, I think there's three big things we can learn here about God's mission, all right? And the first is God's heart for mission. Uh, this is the big lesson that Peter had to learn, and you see it there in verse 34 when Peter starts to speak. He says, uh, verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So Peter thought that God had favorites, that God preferred some people over others, but now Peter has got it. Now he understands that God is not like us. God doesn't have favorites or prejudice or bias. Uh, God doesn't prefer some countries or cultures over others. Peter had to learn that God's heart is for all people to be saved. Americans and Iranians, Chinese and Africans, Aussies and Kiwis, uh, every nation, uh, rich and poor. 
And the reason is that all people need to be saved through Jesus. Just imagine for a moment you're standing in front of a big map of the world and you close your eyes and you, you turn around and you put your finger somewhere on that map. Uh, it doesn't matter what country your finger lands on, uh, what their culture or background, uh, they need Jesus. They need to hear the gospel and they need to be saved. And so uh, this is what God is teaching us. Now at some point, uh, at this point, some of you might be thinking, really? Do all people need Jesus? What about those from different cultures and religions? Uh, if they just worship the idea of one God, isn't that enough? Well, have a look. Uh, and you see that in verse 35, right? Um, God accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Does, does people like Cornelius really need Jesus? Well, let's look at Peter's speech and see in a few more detail uh, three big things he says about Jesus that apply to everyone, all right? Now, the first is he says in verse 36 that Jesus is Lord of everyone. Uh, Peter says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. So Jesus isn't just Western or Lord of Americans or Jews or Romans. He's the King and Lord over every nation and culture. And that means that everyone in the world today who doesn't submit to Jesus as their King is living in rebellion. Uh, that brings us to the second thing, uh, that Jesus is the judge of all people. You see that in verse 42. Peter says, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So Jesus is Lord and King, but he's also the judge of all people. Uh, living and dead, that's universal, right? That's everyone who's ever lived across the world. And Peter says this is the gospel message he's been preaching in the book of Acts, that Jesus is King and judge and people need to turn back to him. But there's also hope, right? Because Jesus is also the Savior. And you see that in verse 43. Peter says, All the prophets, all the prophets in the Old Testament, testify about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So the same Jesus who is Lord and Judge is also the Savior who brings forgiveness. And this is on offer to everyone who trusts in his name. So that's why everyone in the world needs Jesus. And you see this in the story of Cornelius, right? I mean, Peter wasn't sent across the country just to give Cornelius a hug and have a meal. Uh, he was sent there to preach the gospel. Uh, Cornelius, he feared God, but that wasn't enough. He needed to know Jesus. Uh, let me tell you a story about my friend, Samed. Uh, Samed uh, grew up in a Muslim family in the Middle East. Uh, and his parents raised him to be a uh, good Muslim who feared God. Uh, and he came to Australia to study at university, uh, over in WA, actually. And when he was there, uh, he met uh, an Aussie girl who was trying to learn Arabic. Uh, and she talked to him about Jesus and she gave him a Bible. Uh, and he opened up the Bible and read it with some friends. And he was amazed at Jesus. And he decided to become a Christian and follow Jesus. But my friend Samed knew that this was... Uh, going to be really hard for his parents to accept. So he flew back to the Middle East uh, to tell his family. Uh, he, he, he went in and knelt down before his dad and said, 
Dad, please forgive me for all the things I've done wrong against you. And his father said, of course, my son, I forgive you, but why are you doing this? And he said, because Jesus has forgiven me. Uh, Now, his dad uh, was mad, couldn't accept this, uh, didn't want his son to be a Christian. Uh, He tried everything. Um, He was sent to the doctor to get checked out physically. The doctor said there's nothing wrong. He sent him to a psychologist to get checked out mentally. The psychologist says there's nothing wrong. Uh, Then his dad tried um, to bring in some Muslim debaters, uh, some Muslim preachers, to persuade his son, uh, using logic and reason, to give up on Jesus. Uh, And these guys are very smart, uh, and they were very smart. My friend said to them, look, you guys win, all right? You can out-debate me. Um, You can give me lots of good arguments, but there's one thing you cannot do. Uh, You cannot take away my sin. Only Jesus can do that. Uh, And so uh, my friend didn't give up uh, on Jesus because he knew that he needed forgiveness. Um, He feared God, but he needed forgiveness. And he found it all because an Aussie was willing to chat with him uh, and give him a Bible. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, do we have God's heart for all the nations? And do we welcome all people from all backgrounds? Or do we sometimes look down on some kinds of people who are different to us? I reckon a good test, right, is to think about who you eat with, all right? I mean, eating, it's a great sign of welcome. I love that you guys eat lots of food here at church. It's great. But when I ask, because when I ask myself the question, uh, who do I welcome? Do I welcome everyone? I think, of course I do. I, I, I welcome everyone. But if I look at my life and the people that I usually eat with, Uh, and have meals with, it's often people who are quite similar to me, uh, who are my friends, people that make me feel comfortable, people that I get along with. I don't often eat with people who are quite different to me. So who do you eat with? Uh, Who are the people that you invite into your home? Uh, Who are the people whose homes you visit? Because if we have God's heart for all people, then it should change the way we look at people. And it should change the friends that we make. We should be welcoming and eating with people who are different to us. Uh, And one of the places this should start, I think, is in church. Uh, It's so great to come back and see so many new faces here. Uh, And I know you guys are great at having your church lunches afterwards. Uh, The aunties and uncles cooking up so much delicious food. Uh, But I wonder how often do you invite each other into your homes? Uh, Not just your friends. Uh, But the people at church you don't know so well. Uh, People that you maybe don't automatically hang out with. Because the gospel changes our hearts, I think, to welcome and love people who are different to us. And what we see with Peter and Cornelius is, this isn't just about being kind to people. Uh, It's a good thing. But it's actually about sharing the gospel with people. Uh, God wants us to welcome all people. uh, Because if we don't, we're actually turning people away from the gospel. So that's the first big lesson from Peter and Cornelius uh, for us to have God's heart for all people. Secondly, uh, we also see God's plan for mission here, right? Did you think to yourself, man, that was a really complicated way for Cornelius to hear the gospel? I mean, there was messengers and visions and traveling across the country. Why didn't God just talk directly to Cornelius and tell him a message about Jesus? That would have saved a lot of time and hassle, right? But that's not the way God usually works in the Bible. 
Uh, when you read the Bible, you keep seeing that God chooses to work through ordinary people. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, he raises up Moses, he gives him a message, and sends him to the people of Israel. Uh, when they stop listening, uh, he, he raises up prophets and gives them more messages and sends them to the people. Uh, again and again, God gives his word to people to speak it. Uh, and it's the same thing in the New Testament, right? Do you remember what happened when Jesus rose from the dead? Uh, he didn't appear on a world tour, visiting all the major cities of the world. Uh, you can see in verse 41, Peter says, Jesus didn't appear to everyone. Uh, he only appeared to the eyewitnesses, and then he sent them out to speak the message uh, of his death and resurrection. And that's what's been happening in the book of Acts, right? Christians go out and speak the gospel message about what's happened. And the exciting thing is that when God's people do that, when they go and speak God's word, well, incredible things happen. That's what Peter saw when he spoke the gospel to these Gentiles. Um, let me tell you about my own experience as an atheist. All right, uh, I didn't grow up as a Christian, and I first came to church uh, as a skeptic, wanting to argue with Christians, uh, reading the Bible to find verses that I could argue with. Uh, but a year later, uh, I found myself getting baptized and promising to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Uh, what happened in between, right? Was there, uh, did I get a miracle or a vision? Well, yes and no. Uh, what happened was ordinary Christians in the church, uh, they helped me read the Bible, they talked to me about Jesus. Uh, they weren't very impressive, to be honest. Uh, but as I read God's word, uh, God changed my heart. And that was a miracle. That's the way that God normally works. He works through his word. So God's plan for the world to know Jesus is not about writing in the sky. Uh, it's about ordinary Christians like you and me uh, speaking the message about Jesus. Now, I reckon that's both exciting and scary at the same time, right? Uh, it's exciting that we have a part to play in God's plan. Uh, we're not spectators sitting up on the seats watching the game go on. Uh, we're all down and involved in God's work. Uh, and it's exciting that it actually doesn't depend on us. Uh, we share God's word, which is the powerful thing, and he works through it. But it is a little bit scary, right? Because it means we all have a part to play. Uh, we've all got a part to play in sharing God's word to the world. Uh, this is why Shan Shan and I are going to Taiwan with our family. Uh, we prefer to stay here in Australia, to be honest. Uh, and Brisbane is pretty nice, I've got to say, coming back. But God loves Taiwanese people. Uh, and his plan for them to know about Jesus is for ordinary Christians to share the gospel with them. Uh, and so when we get to Taiwan, we don't have an amazing mission strategy, really. Uh, we're just going to try and open God's word with uh, people, uh, read God's word, and pray for him to work and to change their hearts. So what about you? Uh, what part can you play in God's plan? Uh, each one of us has been placed by God in a different situation in life. Uh, different friends, different workmates, uh, different amounts of energy. Uh, we're all in a different situation. But where has God placed you? Who are the people in your life who don't know Jesus? Uh, maybe you could be part of God's plan for them to know Jesus. You might feel pretty ordinary, but God uses ordinary people. So that's God's plan for mission. Ordinary people like you and me sharing the gospel. 
Uh, last thing we see is God's timeline for mission. All right? So remember how Peter said that Jesus is both the Savior and judge? Well, that means that God has a timeline. All right? There's a time of salvation and then a time of judgment. And right now we're in the time of salvation. Uh, now is the time when God is waiting for the gospel to be preached to the nations. Uh, now is the time when anyone who believes in Jesus can come in and be saved. Uh, so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, uh, you have time now to turn and come back to God. But there's a time limit on this offer of forgiveness. Uh, have you ever, ever had a coupon uh, from a shop giving you something free, like a free two-for-one or whatever it might be? And usually on these free coupons, there's little dates on the bottom, you know, valid until so-and-so date, and it expires, right? Once, once it expires, it's useless. You can't redeem it anymore. Well, the gospel message of free forgiveness is a little bit like that. There's an expiry date. Uh, it's going to run out. It won't last forever. Because when Jesus returns, it'll be too late to turn and surrender. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 31 says, God has fixed a day for Jesus to return. All right, there's a day set in God's calendar. We don't know, but we know it's coming. And when that comes, the time of salvation will be over. Um, I've got a friend, uh, sorry, a cousin um, in New Zealand who's just finished up high school and she's heading over to Spain for a gap year uh, to do some teaching English and she's really excited. And so she's booked her flights, it's ready to go and uh, she set up a website countdown timer, right? So she punched in the date and you can go to this little website and it counts down in front of you. You know, 42 days, uh, 10 hours, 9 minutes, 13 seconds, and you can watch it counting down. Uh, she's really excited and her mum just cries all the time thinking about it. Well, there's a countdown clock like that for Jesus' return. Uh, there's a day coming uh, and the clock is counting down. We don't know when it is, but we know it's set. Uh, it could be this year. It could be next year, uh, or it could be next week. Uh, and what this means for us, friends, is that mission is urgent. Uh, I reckon we find this so hard to believe when we're here in Australia. Um, on a sunny day you know, in Brisbane, uh, it's hard to believe that this world is broken, isn't it? Uh, and that judgment is coming. Uh, it's easy to think that this life is going to last forever. But God's countdown for Jesus' return is ticking. Uh, and when it runs out, that offer of free forgiveness will end. So just think again about the people in your life who don't know Jesus. Uh, don't keep putting off talking to them. You know, I, I often tell myself, oh, I'll just get to know them better before I talk about Jesus. Uh, it's easy to put things off. But why not choose just one person? Uh, when you get home tonight, pray for them. Maybe invite them over for a meal uh, sometime in the next week or two and pray that you can have opportunities to share Jesus with them because uh, we know God's timeline. Uh, we know God's plan. So let's wrap up. Uh, what have we learned from Acts 10? Uh, we've seen that God's heart is for all people to be saved, uh, all nations, all kinds of people. And so our heart should be the same. We've seen that God's plan is ordinary people, like you and me, sharing the gospel message. And we've seen God's timeline, that there is a countdown clock, that time is short. And so we need to share the gospel now.
So friends, next time you see uh, someone who's different to you, maybe you're chatting with someone at church, or you're walking around in your neighborhood, uh, or at work, or at uni, uh, why not welcome them warmly? Uh, Not just smile and nod, but actually get to know them. Uh, Maybe invite them over uh, and share Jesus with them, uh, because that's God's heart for the world. And would you pray for us as we head to Taiwan as well? Uh, Pray that we can share Jesus there, uh, and that God will work bring more Taiwanese to know him. Let's pray. Loving Father, we pray for a world that knows Jesus. We pray for all people and all nations to know you as their Father, to be your children through the Gospel. Father, we thank you for what you've done through the cross, bringing forgiveness and reconciliation to us through Jesus' death. We thank you that Jesus is now the Lord of all, that he will return to judge, to bring salvation. And we thank you that he is your Savior, uh, who brings us peace. Father, we are so quick to often uh, look down on and avoid others who are different to us, uh, but we know that you are not like us, that you love all people. And so, Father, please change our hearts, uh, not just to love those who are like us and to love our friends, but to welcome all people that you place in our path in Jesus' name. And so uh, give us courage, we pray, to share the gospel, to speak of the hope that we have, uh, to open your word with people. Uh, We pray, Father, uh, that we would see the urgency of the time we live in, that we would use uh, the time you give us on this earth uh, wisely uh, to live our lives for you and to share the gospel with others. And we pray and ask these things, Father, all in Jesus' great name. Amen.